Yep, it's recording. Hello and welcome back to the Daily Bible Reading Show. Uh, we're looking at 1 Kings 11 and verse 9. Uh, 1 Kings 11 and verse 9. And the Lord was angry <laughs> with Solomon. Not a great start. God is angry. Because his heart had turned away from the Lord, the God of Israel, who had appeared to him twice, two times, and had commanded him concerning this thing, that he should not go after other gods. But he, Solomon, did not keep what the Lord commanded. So um, if you watched last week's episode, you know, we saw how Solomon worshipped other gods, he disobeyed God. But what we learn here is that God actually appeared to Solomon twice saying, hey, don't do this thing. This is very, very dangerous. But Solomon kept ignoring God. And as a result, you know, God is very, very angry with Solomon. And as a result, God is going to pour out this judgment, this punishment on Solomon, on the kingdom. Verse 11, therefore, the Lord said to Solomon, since this has been your practice and you've not kept my covenant and my statutes that I commanded you, and I mean, you keep doing this. It's not just a one-off thing. This has been your practice. God says, I will surely tear the kingdom from you and will give it to your servant. So this is going to happen <laughs> for sure. I'm going to take away this kingdom. I'm going to give it to your servant, someone below you. Yeah. Verse 12, yet for the sake of David, your father, I will not do it in your days, but I will tear it out of the hand of your son. So unfair. You know, the judgment is going to fall not on Solomon, but on his son. However, I will not tear away all the kingdom, but I will give one tribe to your son for the sake of David, my servant, and for the sake of Jerusalem, which I have chosen. So there's still grace amidst judgment. He's not going to take away everything, the whole kingdom. He's going to give one tribe to Solomon's son. So there's a kind of delay in a judgment. You know, uh, Solomon is not going to experience this, but his son is going to experience this. But there's still grace and mercy in this judgment. God is still going to leave um, one tribe to Solomon's son. Yep, so that's kind of the context. God is very angry. <laughs> with Solomon for forsaking him for worshiping idols. Verse 14, And the Lord raised up an adversary against Solomon, Hadad, the Edomite. Edomite, yeah. He was of the royal house of Edom. Oh, that's what he means. So he comes from this place called Edom, but he's also a prince of Edom. Verse 15, For when David was in Edom, and Joab, the commander of the army, went up to bury the slain. He struck down every male in Edom. So during David's time, they had war against Edom, their enemies, and they killed everyone, you know, struck down every male. Verse 16, for Joab, Joab is David's right-hand man, his military commander. Joab and all Israel remained there for six months until he had cut off every male in Edom. So real slaughter. They really wanted to kill every single one of their enemies. But Hadad fled to Egypt. Together with certain Edomites of his father's servants, Hadad still being a child. 
They set out from Midian and came to Paran, and took men with them from Paran and came to Egypt to Pharaoh, king of Egypt, who gave him a house and assigned him an allowance of food and gave him land. So he had this whole new life in Egypt because the king of Egypt was very gracious with him, gave him food, gave him a place to live, liked him a lot. Verse 19, and Hadad found great favor in the sight of Pharaoh so that he gave him in marriage the sister of his own wife, the sister of Tapanes, the queen. So wait, um, so yeah, okay, so Pharaoh gave his sisters, sorry, his wife's sister in marriage to Hadad. So that makes Pharaoh his brother-in-law. So now, now he's related to the king of Egypt. Ah, Verse 20, and the sister of Tapanes bore him Genubath, his son, who Tapanes weaned in uh, Pharaoh's house, and Genubath was in Pharaoh's house among the sons of Pharaoh. So Hadad's son, Genubath, went to school with Pharaoh's kids. So he has this whole life there, you know, brother-in-law to the king. His son is going to international school in Egypt. So he has this very comfortable life, very luxurious life in Egypt. But, verse 21, when Hadad heard in Egypt that David slept with his fathers and that Joab, the commander of the army, was dead or died already, Hadad said to Pharaoh, let me depart, that I may go back to my own country. Sounds like those Korean drama. You know, I want to bosao. Sorry, bosao is Cantonese. <laughs> but he wants to take revenge. You know, he's had this in his heart all his life. You know, they killed my father, they killed my countrymen. Now I have a chance to strike back in revenge. Verse 22, <coughs> excuse me. Verse 22, but Pharaoh said to him, what have you lacked with me that you're now seeking to go to your own country? And he said to him, only let me depart. And yeah, wow, that's, that's the end of the story. So he just wants to go back. He just wants to take revenge. And he's leaving behind all this happiness, this prosperity that he has in Egypt in order to do God's will. You know, God has raised up, verse 14, this adversary, this enemy for Solomon. And it makes me t think, now, now it's really strange, it makes me think of Moses. Actually, remember Moses was raised up in the courts of Egypt. He had favor with the king of Egypt. And, you know, God is raising up this enemy the same way he raised up Moses, except this time to be an enemy of the king, to fight against his own king. And it shows that God had the foresight to do this. You know, um, Hadad had this hatred of Israel back in the days of David, before there was even Solomon, before Solomon even rebelled against God and worshiped idols. You know, Hadad was already slowly festering and being built up as this huge enemy who would bosau and take revenge during the times of Solomon. It shows that God is not surprised by Solomon's rebellion. It shows that God has the foresight to raise up even the enemies of Solomon, to raise up this judgment that will be poured out during the days of Solomon. Hmm. Verse 23, God also raised up as an adversary to him, Rezin, the son of Eliada. So Rezin, yeah, who had fled from his master Hadadezer, king of Zobah. And he gathered men about him and became a leader of a marauding band. 
So this badass um, guy, after, after the killing by David, and they went to Damascus and lived there and made him king in Damascus. He had lots of followers. He was a king. He was an adversary of Israel all the days of Solomon, doing harm as Hadad did. He loathed Israel and reigned over Syria. He really hated Israel. He, he, that's why he kept fighting against them, causing war against Israel. And what it shows again is this judgment from God. But now this judgment is seen in the form of war. War. You know, during the time of Solomon, it's meant to be a time of peace. You know, remember the reason why Solomon is able to build the temple is because he had peace during the land. His father wanted to build a temple. David couldn't do this because David was a man of war. Solomon was a man of peace. He could just do business deals. He could just build this temple. And there was nothing to distract him until now. You know, as a result of Solomon's disobedience against God, God took away that peace and God replaced it with people like Hadad and Rezin who hated his guts. And it brought in this situation of war and unrest in the country. It shows how God's judgment works. He takes away the blessing. He pours in this unrest, this war, this disturbance that distracts you from being able to do your job as a king and occupies your heart with all this worry and unrest. You know, affects Solomon, but also affects the prosperity of the entire country because all of them are in the situation of war. Verse 26, Jeroboam, the son of Nebat, another, another guy, an Ephraimite of Zeredah. Now, Ephraimite, so he is actually an Israelite. So he's one of the people of God. A servant of Solomon. So he's a friend of the king, whose mother's name was Zeruah, a widow, also lifted up his hand against the king. And this was the reason why he lifted up his hand against the king. Solomon built the millow and closed up the breach of the city of David, his father. The man Jeroboam, was very able. And when Solomon saw that the young man was industrious, he gave him charge over all the forced labor of the house of Joseph. So, ha ha ha. So actually, Solomon saw potential in this guy named Jeroboam. Solomon actually gave him a promotion, gave him responsibility, raised him up in his own courts. And so he was a friend. He was a hing tai. He was one of his servants, one of his own men. But now God raised him up as an enemy, as a betrayer within the house of Solomon. Mm. So enemies from outside, but now an enemy amongst his brothers. Verse 29, And at that time when Jeroboam went out of Jerusalem, the prophet Ahijah the Shilonite found him on the road. Now Ahijah had dressed himself in a new garment, and the two of them were alone in the open country. Then Ahijah, this prophet, laid hold of the new garment that was on him and tore it into 12 pieces. Pia, new garment. He keeps mentioning this is a brand new jacket. Tore it into 12 pieces. And he said to Jeroboam, take for yourself 10 pieces. For thus says the Lord, the God of Israel, behold, I'm about to tear the kingdom from the hand of Solomon and will give you 10 tribes but he shall have one tribe for the sake of my servant David and for the sake of Jerusalem, the city that I've chosen out of all the tribes of Israel. So God, God is saying this, you know, God is saying, I'm going to do this for you through the prophet. I'm going to tear away the kingdom away from Solomon 
I'm going to give you most of it, 10 tribes, and I'm going to give one to Solomon. Well, two, because they're 12 pieces, right? But I think Judah and Benjamin are like a package deal. So God is saying, I'm going to tear this kingdom, and it's a sign of a kind of judgment that should remind us of the time when he tore the kingdom from King Saul. King Saul, do you remember back in 1 Samuel something? <laughs> Saul grabbed the jacket of Samuel the prophet and it tore. And the prophet Samuel said to Saul, you know, in the same way God's going to tear the kingdom from you. So it's the same kind of judgment on the same kind of sin, I think. You know, Saul was very arrogant. Saul disobeyed God. And so Solomon, you know, you disobeyed God. And so now God is going to pour out the same kind of judgment upon you. He's going to tear away this kingdom from you. Verse 33, because they have forsaken me and worshipped Ashtoreth, the goddess of the Sidonians, Chemosh, the god of Moab, and Milcom, the god of the Ammonites, all these different gods, but foreign gods, hence god of this, god of that. And they have not walked in my ways. Interesting, they doing what is right in my sight and keeping my statutes and my rules as David his father did. So they have forsaken me. They have not walked in my ways. They have worshipped other gods. And it's not saying Solomon, not he has done this, but they. And I think it's talking about Israel as a whole. Because Israel's king is worshipping other gods, now Israel as a whole is being influenced by this king to worship all these gods as well. And so that's why this kind of judgment is not just on Solomon, but on the whole kingdom. It's not just on him, but on the nation as a whole, because he has led the whole nation's heart astray from God. Yeah. Okay. Uh, where are we? Uh, verse 37. Is that right? Um, duh, duh, duh. Sorry, I lost my place. Verse 34. Nevertheless, I will not take the whole kingdom out of his hand, but I will make him ruler all the days of his life. Uh, for the sake of David, my servant, whom I chose, who kept my commandments and statutes, but I will take the kingdom out of his son's hand and will give it to you ten tribes. Yet to his son I will give one tribe, that David, my servant, may always have a lamp before me in Jerusalem, the city where I have chosen to put my name. God is giving a lot of explanation as to why he's doing what he's doing, especially in showing mercy still to Solomon. You know, I put my name there, my brand there. And so there's still, I guess, hope, you know, hope in the midst of this judgment that, you know, they still bear my name. These silly guys who, you know, worship idols, you know, I'm still showing some measure of favor upon this nation. Yeah. Verse 37, and I will take you and you shall reign over all that your soul desires and you shall be king over Israel. And if you will listen to all that I command you, and you will walk in my ways and do what is right in my eyes by keeping my statutes and my commandments as David my servant did, I will be with you and will build you a sure house as I built for David, and I will give Israel to you. And this you, 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 you is talking about Jeroboam. And you know, Jeroboam is outside, you know, <laughs> outside of this line of David, and yet God is making this new covenant with him saying that if you will walk faithfully before me, I will be your, your God, you will be king over this kingdom. And it shows that God is able to establish with this, this covenant with someone outside of Solomon, as long as they're faithful, as long as they love God, God will be their God, God will bless them with this blessing of this kingdom. Yeah, interesting. 
and I will afflict, verse 39, the offspring of David because of this, but not forever. Solomon sought therefore to kill Jeroboam, but Jeroboam arose and fled into Egypt to Shishak, king of Egypt, and was in Egypt until the death of Solomon. So very sad. You know, Jeroboam and uh, Solomon were meant to be this hengdai, these friends. You know, Solomon was almost like a dad to him. You know, mentions that his mom was a widow. Maybe you know, Solomon was like his, you know, really respected figure. But now they become mortal enemies, and they just kept fighting and fighting and fighting. Uh, what we see here are <clears throat> um, enemies. You know, God raising up enemies against the king, and they're God's chosen enemies. You know, usually we think of God's chosen king, you know, Solomon, but here also are God's chosen enemies. And that applies uh, first and foremost, you know, to the cross and then also to us. You know, on the cross, we see that Jesus is betrayed uh, by Pilate and the governors and by the people who want to kill him, but he's also betrayed from within, you know, his own hengtai. You know, they leave him on the cross. And all that is God's judgment being poured on Jesus, who is the true king. One of the ways that we know that Jesus is the king on the cross is because, you know, he's betrayed. You know, he has enemies. And that's a mark of the king, the one who is humble, but the one who's also rejected. Um, but in Jesus' case, of course, Jesus was obedient to God. But again, uh, these marks of these rejections, you know, are meant to help us to recognize Jesus for who he is. But secondly, for us, you know, when we have enemies, <laughs> and we will, we will as Christians. It can be enemies because they're enemies of God, but they can also possibly be enemies because they're enemies from God, if that makes sense. You know, sometimes when we disobey God, when we turn against God, God is more than able to use blessing, but also judgment to bring us back to his ways. And especially if we're in a position of responsibility and we do not obey God, especially when we hear God's word and God's word keep coming to us, keep warning us, hey, stay on the path, and we ignore him again and again, God can do this. God can raise up enemies. God can raise up opposition in order to show that he is God and we have disobeyed him. And I think that should really humble us, again, when we face opposition, to recognize, is this really opposition because we are for Christ or maybe we are walking away from him? Just uh, food for thought, yeah. Verse 41, Now the rest of the Acts of Solomon and all that he did and his wisdom, are they not written in the book of the Acts of Solomon? And the time that Solomon reigned in, reigned in, Solom in Jerusalem sorry, over all Israel was 40 years. And Solomon slept with his fathers and was buried in the city of David his father. And Rehoboam, his son, reigned in his place. Yeah, that's the end of the chapter. Um, yeah, let's pray. Heavenly Father, uh, thank you for uh, this reminder that you are gracious to us even in the midst of judgment. Uh, thank you that through Jesus, he took all our judgment upon himself. We recognize as well, you know, the judgment that comes through betrayal, you know, and how hurtful that is and how painful that is. And we recognize that this is sometimes uh, the judgment that we deserve for our betrayal against you. So please have mercy on us. Help, help us to recognize times when you're disciplining us, when we act in unwise ways the way that Solomon does. 
does and to repent and to turn back towards you. But again, we plead the cross, we plead Jesus, we plead his humility and his obedience before you and ask that the favor that he deserves, you know, we plead for that as well. And we pray to you in his name. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Uh, thanks for listening. This has been a really long uh, reading, but thanks for sticking with me this far if you made it this far. And take care and God bless. Bye.